Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. Welcome back to Foster and Motley's podcast about wealth and life, and welcome to a new voice. I'm Patrice Sikora, and with me are Tony Lockhart, a veteran of these conversations, and Emily Diaz, a new addition to the roster. Emily, wonderful to have you here. Why don't you introduce yourself to our podcast fans? Thanks, Patrice. It's great to be here. So I'm a financial planner at Foster and Motley. I joined the team back in 2017. So going on five years here, I guess time flies when you're having fun. Uh, My background is in public accounting. So I'm a CPA and I spent several years doing tax work, primarily for wealth management clients, also for some business owners. So I love that I get to use my tax background and our everyday work as financial planners because it impacts everything almost, you know, cash flow, retirement planning, um, and even can touch on estate planning as we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. There you go. You're a natural at this. You're taking my lines already. I was going to say we're going to talk about (laughs) estate plans, but no, there goes Emily. (laughs) Tony, we are here to talk about estate tax and planning, but why don't you kick us off? Where do you want to start? Well, happy 2022 to you, Patrice, and our listeners as well. Glad to be talking to you and, and them again. Appreciate you having us back. And you know, we get to talk about the uh, the fun topic of estate tax, you know, death and taxes together separately. We're talking about death and taxes together. So lucky us. Lot to be, a uh, lot to talk about and uh, kind of a changing environment. You know, one thing to kind of get out of the way up front, we're not attorneys and none of our conversation be should be misconstrued as legal advice. But a brief history, you know, estate tax has been around with us almost since the founding of the United States. Estate tax was originally put in as a temporary measure to help fund wars. Oh, well, and you then, know, when, when it's temporary, it's never temporary. <laughs> <laughs> it was then. And then in 1916, the Revenue Act of 1916 made it a little more permanent part of what we're used to today. So, you know, there's a, a difference between a state tax and a state plan. Emily, can you tell us a, a bit about that as well? Sure. So we like to say that estate planning affects everyone. That's something that we talk about with all of our clients. And that's basically planning for the time when you may be incapacitated and unable to make your own financial or healthcare decisions, and then also controlling or directing the disposition of your assets when you pass away. So that's when we work with clients and their estate planning attorneys to make sure that they've got a will, perhaps a trust, healthcare and financial powers of attorney. Those are kind of the basic things that affect everyone. Estate tax is a little bit different. It does not affect everyone, but for those who it does impact, uh, it can be a big deal. So today the estate tax exemption is just over $12 million per individual. So if you're to pass away with an estate with over $12 million, the excess over that is taxed. Um, Today, the top rate there is about 40%. um, And it's graduated, it gets up to that 40% mark pretty quickly. So you can imagine for a client with a 15 or 20 plus million dollar estate, a big chunk of that is going to be going to estate taxes. That's disappointing. (laughs) If you have that much money, that's disappointing. Yes. And another thing that we kind of talk about here is, you know, portability. So that's the concept of them when we're working with a married couple. 
and they each have a $12 million exemption. And when the first spouse passes away, their unused exemption passes to the survivor. So we had a client recently, very sad, the husband passed away. His estate was about $5 million. So the $7 million of his 12 million that he hadn't used then passes to his wife. So then at her passing, she'll also have that um, exemption to use as well. Um, and that's a more recent development. I, I think that became effective for the 2011 tax year. So um, as we're going to be talking about a lot today, these laws are always changing. And so, you know, what may have been the case when clients may have documents drafted 10 or 20 years ago might not be the case today. And, and so we're constantly trying to keep up with those changes. Which is another reason to see your financial advisor on a regular basis. Indeed. So as a couple, there's each couple has a $12 million exemption. So as a couple, we're talking about a $24 million exemption amount. So not that's a lot of money. There are some clients, some people that have more than that, but you know, for the large majority of America today, we don't have to worry about federal estate tax, which is a good thing. What's the history of this? Yeah. So the, the history, you know, it's that, Back as early as 2000, the exemption amount was as low as $675,000. So, oh now yeah, that I mean, a lot of it could affect a lot of people. There were a lot more people that got caught up and had to do planning around estate tax and estate tax mitigation. The tax portion of the estate tax is, as Emily stated, is, cur is currently about 40%, which is still a big chunk of change mm -hmm. if you end up paying it. But back anywhere from the early 30s to the excuse me, mid thirties to the early eighties, the estate tax rate was about 70%. So, oh yeah. So you, you had, uh, if you were in the estate tax category, you know, 70% over that exemption amount went to, got sucked up by the, uh, the U S government. So a lot different today with these $24 million exemptions. Does this vary on a state level too? It does. We like to say it depends. <laughs> uh, so everything we've talked about so far has been at the federal level um, and things do vary by state. So only 17 states have an estate or an inheritance tax. Um, Ohio and Indiana do not. Um, and Kentucky has an inheritance tax, and that's a little bit different from an estate tax. An estate tax is paid by the estate. So, you know, by the assets of the deceased person. An inheritance tax is paid by the folks that are inheriting the assets. Now, in Kentucky's in particular, the rate varies. It doesn't apply to certain relatives, so to spouses, children, grandchildren, parents, but certain other relationships like cousins or friends, they may have to pay a tax on their inheritance anywhere from 4 to 16%, uh, depending on the relationship of that person. But many other states have an estate tax. So say that three times quick, estate, estate tax. Um, so, you know, for example, in Minnesota, we've got clients we work with there, their exemption is $3 million a person. So very different from the 12 million at the federal level. So a lot of times we'll find ourselves working with attorneys in these states to try to minimize the state level estate tax, even if the federal is not currently a concern. And those rates can vary. They're not as steep as our 40% at the federal level, but you know, for Minnesota, as our example, it's 16 to 18% of the estate that would face that tax after the 3 million. Now help me, it seemed like a really fine line, the difference between an estate tax and an inheritance tax. 
I mean, you say the estate tax is paid by the estate, but eventually that estate is going to people. So in a sense, they're paying it. They are. Um, one of the things with the inheritance tax is it often depends on the relationship of the person. So, you know, when you're talking about an estate tax, every dollar, you know, over your 12 million or whatever your exclusion number is, you know, every dollar over that gets cut by that 40% versus here, you know, if you're in Kentucky, well, maybe you send, you know, some money goes to the grandkids. Well, they don't have to, there's no tax paid there, but maybe some goes to a second cousin. Well, in that case, there is tax paid um, on that end. Okay, got that, got that. So how many people does this affect? Why are we talking about it? Yeah, so, you know, $12 million exemption as an individual, 24,000, excuse me, 24 million as a couple. And those are some pretty big numbers. But the estate tax exemption is scheduled to sunset in 2026, back to something lesser than that. So closer to $6 million per individual, $12 $12 million as a couple is where we're scheduled to sunset back to. So still some pretty big numbers, but those you know numbers are halved in, in 2026. So you know it could be uh, that if you're lucky enough to be in that echelon um, of wealth that you know you're you could have an estate tax you know in 2026. The the other caveat to all this is that our, our government could always change the estate tax to something different than either of those numbers, either the 24 as a couple or the the 12 as a couple. So, you know, there are some proactive things that you can think about doing on a regular basis. You know, one really uh, beneficial option is everybody has the ability to give $16,000. It's called an annual exclusion. It's the amount that you can give to anybody every year. So Patrice, I could give you $16,000. I could give Emily $16,000. I could walk around the street and pass out $16,000 checks and use my annual exclusion to get wealth outside of my estate without using, without running into running afoul of a gift tax or a state tax. So that's a really nifty uh, thing to, to take advantage of. You know, if you are at the door of those exemption amounts and the benefit of doing that is that you give $16,000 to, you know, we've got a lot of clients that are in this regime that end up giving gifts to their kids. So not only are they getting $16,000 out of their estate, Hmm. as a couple, they can give 32. So husband and wife give one of their kids $32,000. So that $32,000 is out of their estate. But if they take that $32,000 and invest it, that 32,000 grows to 132,000, that $100,000 of growth is also outside of their estate. Whereas if it were in the parent's name, the 130, the whole $132,000 would be in their estate. So it's a nifty uh, way to get money out of your estate. It's a, it's a very uh, advantageous thing to be able to utilize. But you do have to plan for that. You have to plan ahead. You do. All right. What about student debt? What about paying tuition? Does that play into this at all? Mm -hmm. So there are certain gifts that we say are not taxable or don't affect this $16,000 limit. So paying tuition or medical expenses directly to the 
um, educational institution or the healthcare provider, those don't count towards your $16,000 exclusion. So we'll have some clients that want to help fund college education for their grandkids. And if they cut the check directly to the university, it doesn't matter. It could be $50,000. You know, we don't really care that that's over the $16,000 limit. I think another distinction that's helpful to keep in mind is you know, we talk about taxable gifts sometimes, and it can be confusing to figure out what are we talking about? So, you know, this is all separate from the income tax, you know, that we're all familiar with having to file for April 15th every year. But the gift tax and the estate tax work together. So as Tony was saying, you know, your your annual $16,000 gift, you're allowed to give gift tax-free. It's coordinated with the um, estate tax exemption of $12 million. So, you know, we had a client recently who gave $50,000 to her daughter for a down payment on a house. So the first $16,000 of that was gift tax-free. And then the other 34,000 of it, that starts to reduce her $12 million lifetime exemption. Now, in this particular client's case, she didn't have you know, a net worth where she was concerned about estate tax for the long term. And she said, no, that's fine. The only downside is that we had to file a gift tax return. We helped her in her uh, tax preparer do that. And so you know, when we say a, a taxable gift, in her case, unless she had already used up her $12 million exemption through other gifts to folks, you know, there's no actual current tax being paid. It's just that we have to record it and help file these gift tax returns so that later, you know, at some point when she passes away, that those can be reconciled with her currently $12 million estate tax exemption. But we don't know what that 12 million number might be down the road. And and some people may purposely give a portion of their exemption amount that they can give away during their life or at their passing today. Because as we were talking about before, it's a, it's a freezing technique. So for instance, let's say that a client wants to give away $1,016,000 to one of their kids, right? So $16,000 is going to be the annual exemption amount. And that $1 million is going to be a gift that is going to dip into their $12 million amount that they can give away during their life or at their passing. So, but the benefit to that is if you do that, when you've got a lot of years ahead of you, that if you would have kept that money in your estate, that million dollars could have grown to 5 million and you'd be maybe higher into that 40% estate tax. Whereas if you give it to your kids, you're purposely electing to use a portion of your exemption amount today. So that million dollars, if it grows to $5 million, that $4 million of growth is totally outside of your estate. So it's a nice freezing technique that can be a proactive way to, uh, to get money outside of your estate, future growth outside of your estate. How about 529 accounts? Yeah, that's another great vehicle to use. So making gifts to 529s are a little bit different than uh, writing a check directly to the college. Um, your 529 gifts do count towards the $16 million, or sorry, $16,000 annual exclusion. Um, but again, any gift, once it's given to that 529 account, starts to grow outside your estate. So we certainly have lots of clients that will open 529s for their kids or for their grandkids for their education. But sometimes they'll even start to proactively fund more than they think they're even going to need or you know, maybe for future grandkids that aren't even born yet. And so they'll get the account set up, start funding the $16,000 a year. 
And then when the time comes, they can change the beneficiary to, you know, whichever child is going to be needing the funds for college. So again, just anything you can kind of do to use this annual $16,000 to try to start getting assets to grow outside of your estate. Tony, what about some of these alternative trusts? Yeah. So there's some more complicated things that we're not going to get in today, but you know, there's a whole alphabet of, of estate planning techniques, grats, gruts, slats, islets that depending upon your specific situation, you know, may be something that's worth exploring. If, if interested, if you find yourself in that situation, we're happy to have conversations about that, but it can get, it's pretty cool and it can get pretty complicated pretty quick. They all sound like they hurt though. <laughs> in different <laughs> varieties of pain. Yeah. All right. Well, Believe me, my, my head is starting to hurt after all this, the if, then, but, the scenarios that we've, we've got here. How can Foster and Motley help? Yes, well, we try to help by simplifying things <laughs> in this, you know, alphabet soup and, and different numbers flying all over the place. But, you know, one of the basic things that we do with clients every meeting pretty much is to make their net worth or their balance sheet and figuring out what they have and, and where it is. So sometimes just in the course of regular meetings, we'll notice that there are significant changes. So perhaps we had a client where they had a, a net worth of a few million dollars, but then they sold a business for many times worth what they ever thought they would get out of it. And all of a sudden now they've got a, you know, $25 million net worth. And in meeting with them, we said, well, gosh, I think it's time to call your attorney and say, look, something changed. They're in the midst of life and selling a business. I don't think estate tax planning was quite at the forefront of their mind. So that's something that we can help with. And also laws are always changing. You know, today our exclusion is $12 million a person, but that amount was doubled back in, it was effective for 2018. So before that, it was roughly $6 million. It gets adjusted for inflation every year. But anyway, so this current law that we're under right now is set to sunset in 2026. So we're going to go back to the $6 million a person range. So there are some clients where we're having proactive conversations with their attorneys to say, well, if laws change, certainly they're going to without any other legislative action in 2026. Who knows? The changes could happen sooner or it could go down to less than $6 million. You know, there have been proposals to drop it to $3 million or even less than that. So, you know, saying, okay, if, if a change is on the horizon, is there anything that it makes sense to do now to take advantage of the 12 million that you have today? And so a lot of times we're just trying to keep abreast of, you know, where they are with their net worth, their personal situation, life changes, and, you know, prompting them to call the attorney and, and start working with them when we need to. And the other piece of this is we've done a whole podcast on uh, estate planning, but you know, one of the things, one of the other things that we do to help um, clients out is we read their documents. We understand what their documents are saying, or at least try to, sometimes <laughs> difficult. And then we flowchart out, you know, how their money, how their assets are going to flow upon their passing so they can get a visual of what's going to happen. And then we talk about, you know, what changes need to be made is, is an estate plan is a piece of paper unless it's implemented. So, making sure all the beneficiaries, um, making sure all the titling of assets is coordinated with that state estate plan. You know, if a client sets up a, a complicated estate planning technique, like a slat or even a joint trust or something like that, but the assets are sent in that direction, then they're just pieces of paper and nothing gets, uh, nothing gets accomplished. The end goal doesn't get accomplished. Do you find you have to start the conversations, implement the conversations, or do clients come in and say, Hey, I don't understand this. Something changed. The answer is yes. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it can be anywhere from, you know, reading an article somewhere and having questions about it. And then we try to make common sense out of what they've read and how it affects their situation. And we've had clients that don't bring it up, but are totally appreciative of us bringing up those conversations and keeping our eye on the, the pulse of things and being able to bring ideas and um, techniques to their, their attention that are probably maybe worth investigating based upon their situation. So, mm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the proactive conversations that you have and you assist with their issues with the implementation as well. Do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you enjoy well, I do. <laughs> We've Go talked ahead. a lot about death and taxes today, but you know, it's great when we're able to, you know, take some of the technical background that we have and, and be able to help clients. And I think we're in a really unique position as financial planners, because we get to see everything, you know, right. So if it's, you know, working with the clients and seeing their goal of, of selling the business. And then finally it happens and working with their accountant and making sure they've got their income taxes paid in and then saying, wow, you know, look at this change. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for your retirement analysis or for wanting to help your grandkids with college? Or what does this mean for estate tax? You know, do, do we need to look at that and make sure that you're doing all the things that you want to be doing and doing the best with the opportunities that you have? Well, how can someone reach you? The easiest and best way, Patrice, is www.fosterandmotley.com. It's easy to contact us via the website, take a look at what we've got out there as far as there's a lot of good information about who we are and a contact place to be able to find us there. All right. We're going to wrap it up here, but are there any closing thoughts? Is there something we missed that you think we should mention? You're allowed to. I don't know. Death and taxes is a pretty exciting conversation. <laughs> I'm sure uh, everyone's going to be riveted by this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tony and Emily. This was great. Uh, to make sure you, the listener, know when the latest episode of this podcast is ready, simply follow us and share with friends and colleagues. They will appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.